Soy Power Podcast is a free podcast made possible by the support of our awesome Patreon sponsors. Head to toypowerpodcast.com and see how you can help. And welcome to Toy Power, the podcast where we talk toys and everything pop culture. G'day, I'm Trent, and it is wonderful to have your company today for episode 127. This week on Toy Power, we hit up a vintage toy line retrospective looking at the real Ghostbusters, and we finish off with some show and tell. Joining me today in the Toy Power studio, we have Darren. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. And Frank. Well, hoi, hoi. All right, it's time to get retro. Yes, that's right. It's time to talk the real Ghostbusters. Emphasis on the real, because <laughs> this is actually a fascinating part of the history of of this toy the line. Fake Ghostbusters? Does that imply there's a fake one out there? It actually, when you watch the animation for the intro. The, the real part flies in like a little spirit and little, it goes boop, yep. like it's a little glowing ball and it, yep. it pops up. A real emphasis on it. Yeah, and, and it is fascinating to see where that, got, where that came from, essentially. We, we will talk to that. Um, but what this line is, it's a line that was done by Kenner and it started in 1986 and it had a pretty decent run. It went all the way through to 1991. Really? That long? So, yep, Oof. yep. Five years, uh, if I've done my maths correctly. Um, but it is related to the animated series, okay? So the real Ghostbusters toy line is not based on the movie likenesses. It's based on the cartoon likenesses. Right, okay? which in turn, the cartoon is based on movie likenesses? Yeah, with loosely. Loosely. Yeah, so yeah. Egon, loosely. Egon has blonde hair yeah. and red glasses, was, for example. I was watching it a little bit, just the intro stuff today, and I feel like, whereas when you look at the, the movie that we all know really well, it's... Three pretty similar looking white guys and, of course, Winston. And what I feel like they did with the cartoon, they went, all right, let's give Ray red hair, make Egon a blonde, and that way it you know diversifies the look yeah. at least a little bit. And all the uniforms are a slightly different colour. You know, mm. Benkman's got the yep. more brownie and... Um, brownie coloured one and, yeah, there's a blue one and, yeah, it's just slightly different tones. Yep. Whereas obviously the, the Ghostbusters all had a very plain, almost yeah, the same same gray uniform. Uniform that yeah. was very uniform. Literally. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So it doesn't necessarily work for toy and animation. Um, so yeah, so we talked about um, filmation had Ghostbusters. And oh, it was we a filmation cartoon. There was a cartoon, Ooh. and and in oh fact, wait, this is the other one. This is this the other is the one. Other, this other. is this is. Well, one of a better term, the real Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> Ghostbusters, the actual Ghostbusters. Well, they actually, it actually began as a 1975 sitcom, black and white sitcom. Right. Two guys and a big gorilla. Yep. The gorilla was a guy in a gorilla suit. And well, I'll talk about it now. So, mm, so essentially what you've got is you've got Filmation, there's this sitcom, and then Filmation has the rights to the, the, the title Ghostbusters. Right. So I think it's, um, is it Columbia that, that brought out the Ghostbusters film? Yes. Or Paramount? Yes. Columbia, yep. 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 So they've come up, and it's, it's 
pretty much, uh, you know, Dan Aykroyd, um, James Howard, Howard Ramis. Yeah, James, Howard Ramis. Yeah, definitely with the rewrites. I think yeah. he he came in in a big way. But it was, I think, essentially Aykroyd and Belushi mm, were the, the first right. ones yep. to kind of come up with the concept. Belushi passes away. Um, Murray comes in. I think Eddie Murphy was originally down yes. for the Winston Zedmore yeah, he role. He was until mm-hmm. Beverly Hills Cop. Be- Beverly Hills on. Cop yeah, yeah. trumped it. But yeah. basically, this this script got developed in its own right. Mm. Okay, but they go, well, we want to call this Ghostbusters. So my understanding is, Filma- they had to go to Filmation to get the name, to get the rights to to call their movie Ghostbusters, and Filmation gave them that for you know, a licensing fee hmm. of half a million dollars. So they paid the half a million dollars. Now, I also understand, and I'm going to credit Toy Galaxy here, so the YouTuber, this <laughs> yep. is Dan yep. Larson of Toy Galaxy. I couldn't find this information another source, but what Dan Larson was saying was there was a percentage fee of profits that would also go to Filmation. Now, this movie cost about $30 million, and mm. I think it made about $240 million at the box <laughs> office. So it's, it's a good $200 million worth of profits, yeah. which what Dan Larson was saying was they basically said, eh, it might have looked like it did well, but actually it didn't really make any profit. So because, they, they pulled uh... out of paying the percentage to Filmation. Now, whether you, whether you buy into that or not, the bottom line was Filmation said, well, you want to do a cartoon? We will animate it for you. Mm, well, that's what, they, that's what they do, right? Yeah, that's mm. what we do. And they're, they're, eh, we want to go with these other guys. Mm. Who, and who so, did the, the, the one we're talking about? I think it was Dick. Was it Dick Animation? Animation. Yeah, okay. it could be. I can, I can double check mm. that as we go. Right. But uh, another company comes in, does the animation for the real Ghostbusters. And Filmation said, well... Hang on. You're, we're using Ghostbusters. And because this property is hot... We are going to animate mm. a series based on the 1975 sitcom with the two guys and the gorilla. And that's yep. what they did. So, in fact, you had two cartoons coming out in 1986, one called Ghostbusters, <laughs> which was is almost what we call the fake Ghostbusters. Because yeah. who knows these guys? Right. These guys aren't well known. Yep. And then you've got the real Ghostbusters, which have to use the word real because they can't use Ghostbusters. <laughs> and that is how you get the real Ghostbusters. What a mess. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, basically that's it. But the the Kenner line came out um, in Christmas. So basically, it was fulfilling Christmas orders in 1986, and but basically they hit main, in main way in 1987, and it sold sold pretty well. Did did pretty well. Obviously, the the film was popular. Um, I remember like I saw this film, you know. Pretty young, mm. and yeah, certainly, you know, I probably saw it in year one, so maybe yeah, wow. six years old. That was it was on TV, I remember, and friends at school were yep. watching it, so it did appeal. I know it's probably not a kid. It's funny, not a kids film, but it's the kind. A lot of the humor and a lot of the stuff that is adult back then, anyway, because kids are more advanced now. I think would happily go over a young kid's head, yeah, without causing any offense or any damage, or you know, being pretty harmless because they just didn't get it yeah do you know but there's enough kid friendly stuff in there to really enjoy it as a kid do you know how long it took me to realise that there was a ghost basically going down on Ray the head job yeah Yeah. I was just like oh that's and as a kid I just never got it years later and I was like Oh, oh! This is a PG film. What's going on? But you almost is... don't pick it up. No. And there's a joke. It's... I think it's in Ghostbusters 2 where Egon's talking, and they're like, um, you know, 
you fending off the women and are they, you know, infatuated by your large cranium? And he's like, no, I think they're more interested in my epididymis. (laughs) And it's sort of like, well, that joke's just good. Straight over most kids' head. If you actually look at Bill Murray in the background, it's almost like he doesn't get the joke um, (laughs) with his expression. But it's the sort of thing that, yeah, yeah, you can get away with that. Um, Mm. Very much that sort of humour. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. Yeah. Um, and the line did rap in 1991 with the merger of Kenner and Hasbro. And I believe doing a bit of research on this, the line, I guess, still had legs to keep going. Mm. But basically, with that merger, Hasbro wanted to focus on Batman. You think about the timing, yeah, 91. Sense. Think Batman about what happened. not far away at all. Yeah, exactly. And Batman the Animated Series, which showed up in the same year as Batman Returns to It Toy certainly line. did, yeah. So you can understand, five years, good run. Time to pull it, focus yeah. on a big property like Batman. Now, this line, if I think of it, I'm sort of thinking it's Kenner. Kenner did superpowers. What do we know about superpowers? Squeeze some legs together and you get some arms Action moving, features, you know, yep. that, that sort of thing. So very much they took that approach of, of, you know, squeeze something together and get an action feature. Now, what's the, the catchphrase of Ghostbusters? Well, there's probably a few of them. Uh, but don't cross the streams. Don't cross the streams. Unafraid of no ghosts. Unafraid of no ghosts, yeah. All that sort of thing. Well, this line, but, I think... But Bustin makes me feel good. <laughs> Bustin makes me feel good. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, but I, I think they really played on the, you know, being scared of these ghosts yeah. with things like fright features. Yeah, figures. I was say, so yeah. having the, the characters react to, to scary situations. And it was also the big presence and like the, the slime aspect of it. That it was, sort was of, yeah. yeah. I think the slime was, which is really, you know, I think Ninja Turtle exactly, slime. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think what color it was. The was it green? Was it, you know, yeah, it really pink. was the era of the slime. Was it, with the I want to say pink was the color. Yeah, I, I have a feeling there was like a red, like almost like a red, yeah. like yeah. a red colored one. But mm. but the firehouse, similar to the sewer, sewer lair, the Teenage Mutant yep. Ninja Turtle sewer lair, where you put the, the gloop in and it was tricked down. It goes through like a, a grate type yeah, thing. Yeah, it had yep. that same. And I think even the, the, the firehouse did come with a can of slime, yep. I, believe. I believe. So, so yeah, yeah that, that was some of the features. But... D- definitely push push your legs, trigger trigger a scary um, sort of facial expression with some of the ghosts they had, you know, transforming features. Mm. Uh, there was the very cool line of haunted humans, which we'll talk about in a bit, which I, I love that, that little mini wave. Um, but you also had a lot of the role-playing equipment as well, which is really yeah, cool. Yeah, it so makes sense could, for a line like that. It, it did. You, can, you could get your... Um, yeah, yeah, proton, proton, pack. proton yep. packs, yeah, and and really, what was cool? What I love about this line, the proton pack. You know, you think you just stop at the proton pack, right? Backpack, wand, yep. all that sort of thing. Now we're going to give you the armband that you can strap onto your arm, which has the Ghostbusters logo uh, on it, so yep. you can change your pajamas or whatever yep. you want into, into a Ghostbusters uniform. Outfit. Yeah, cool. Very cool. They had the the PKE meter, the the trap. I think you could yes, get the, the floor trap, containment yep. floor trap whatever that that thing is um, and some goggles mm. um, which I think had these these shooters on the side these sort of foam almost like a precursor or so the nerf sort of yeah style. the yeah. style of of what you know nerf did um, <laughs> so some some very cool and they were integrating you know play features from other successful lines they had mm. in the past as well um, I even remember they had, I think, and I'm just going to pick up one of my carded figures here and just look at the exact naming, Screaming Heroes figures. I had the Peter Venkman. And essentially they had a plug in the chest that you would plug a ghost into mm. and they would spin around, the torso would spin. Oh. And, and 
I think it was just the way the air would kind of move into these ghosts, or they might have had some sort of screamer in them. Yeah. But as they turned, it would it would produce that screaming oh, so like sound, a, like a whistle, type. like a whistle. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Essentially, not an actual recorded sound, yep. but with the the air movement. So they did come up with some pretty innovative features, like you know, Kenner were were known for mm. coming up with some pretty cool play features. Um, Slimer. Hmm. He didn't get the name Slimer, did he, in the uh, really? in a couple of releases? He was just referred to as the Green Ghost. He certainly was. So I'm not sure the reason for that, if that's just a... It feels like a licensing st- thing. It Again, does, Given the, yeah. the, the, the history of how this line all got started, you yep. kind of wonder if, you know, in that original contract, they didn't go, well, you can have Ghostbusters, but we're keeping Slimer. Yeah, like, it's an interesting one, but um, it certainly was... Based upon Slimer. Yeah, it uh, is Slimer to me. Yeah, it looks. Yeah, yeah. And we did get a Marshmallow Man, one of my favourite figures from the line. I do have my Marshmallow Man um, at home. Quite a nice, nice thing. Obviously, not as big as goes yeah, I was, gonna, I was going to ask how the scaling works because these these figures we're talking about for those who aren't overly familiar, they're, they're sort of your what would you say five five inch? Yeah, sort of yeah about they're, five they're about inch. a five inch, and they do range. Obviously, hmm. we've got ghosts. In yep. the line, so the the size the and size scale does go. vary quite a bit. But yeah, the figures themselves are about a five inch. So um, where does Stay Puff come in then? Stay Puff would as... be about a, a six and a half inch. Okay, so he's bigger, but he's not. He's not as massive. big as he should he's be. Not yeah. He's not. He's definitely not what you'd call in scale with how he appears in you know certain aspects of the franchise. Yeah, yeah. And you know, this is one of those things. Think turtles you know you get the four ghostbusters in equal measure usually mm, so you yep. you get a wave you get all the four ghostbusters and then eventually the line did expand to getting figures like janine and lewis tully as well oh, um nice. so janine was almost quite often the fifth member and sometimes lewis would be the sort of sixth member so you'd get so but this is based on the animation correct? yeah That's and, right. and if you so... go to the animation janine did play the secretary yep and a bit of interesting trivia sort of about Janine is she has that very, that sort of Brooklyn accent, that really yeah. harsh... Yeah, uh, what yeah. do you want? Yeah, that's right, yep. <laughs> and they actually toned her down partway through the animation ah, to make okay. her a bit more palatable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Lewis Tully, I believe, also wasn't in the original series, but he did get integrated in Basically, later he was on. brought in when the second film was coming along because yes. they knew he was going to play, uh, to play a it. significant yep. role in that film as well and they decided to to move him into the cartoon and the toy line to, to accommodate that. Mm. Yeah, so very cool. I do want to talk about some of my favourites from the toy line. Happy to fl- show, shoot around the room and and um, yeah, yeah, get your thoughts as well. So I'm just going to pass one of the, um, the figures around and, and people can have a bit of a look. But yeah, first of off, I think you've got to start with the basic Ghostbuster figures. So you got all the Ghostbusters, Ray Stans, Peter Venkman, um, have Harold Ramis, Egon Spengler character, and Winston Zedmore played by Ernie Hudson, um, which we'll, we'll talk a little bit about when we get into the animation. Mm. They had the, they were pretty simple for figures. They didn't have a lot of action features. The action feature was more in the proton pack and the way the wand kind of turned. That's right. And they came with their their ghost, yeah, I guess. the little mini ghost, mini mini plug ghost in the one color. So that was that was your, I guess, official cartoon version of the character almost. Um, now then, my favorite probably has to be the fright features. Yeah. So this is that whole uh, I ain't afraid no ghost. No, actually, we are afraid. You know. <laughs> um, and I had the Ray stands. You'd push his arm down. Yep. And his ears would pop out. His hair would go up. And by virtue of his hair going up. 
his eyes, eyes would, would that was such a simple thing because when yeah. you look at it on its own it looked it didn't look ridiculous like his eyes I don't know how it's to do with how they painted it but essentially yeah. his eyes were painted on in this yeah. ridiculous anime style <laughs> yeah. and then it was just that the hat raised up you're like oh my god he's got wide eyes yeah. look yeah. the one for me from that same line that, that jumps out is the, the Egon that blue tie and the, and the, the massive jaw yes. just looking at the pictures on the back of this packaging I, I have strong memories of all of those Fright feature ones perhaps not the Janine but uh, or the Venkman one I don't really recall but I seem to and it probably wasn't me it was a friend of mine who who had them and you just you just sit there squeezing the legs going oh you know yep. jaw goes up jaw goes down pretty much yeah. it was amazing and um I have the race dance from childhood from yeah, nice. Wave as well. And a friend of mine had both the Peter Venkman and Egon yep. from that Wave as well. Lots of play value in, in those. I probably do, just from nostalgia reasons, ha- reasons, have a stronger affinity with the Wave 1 just because yep. that was the original definitive appearance of them. But as far as playability goes, you can't go past the Fright features. Yeah. Figures and I can remember picking mine up brand new mint uh, on card 295 at the junction market. 295 back when the line was still in retail, back when um, those markets like the junction market and the brickworks were less about second hand, yeah, or, more about new. or pre love stuff and more like a um, discount variety type store of, of modern, modern things. And then you used to be able to get modern. You know, brand new toys for next to nothing. Toys under five dollars and toys being on store shelves. My God, you are old, Dan. Yeah. I am, aren't I? I, I <laughs> am, aren't I? But you know what? You're just jealous because you wish you wish you lived through that too. <laughs> I, I am jealous. I would love to pick up one of these for two ninety five. <laughs> the the, the other, advantages of being yeah. old, my friend. <laughs> the other mini line as well was the haunted humans. This one is for me super iconic. Yes, and cool. and I. I can't help but sort of see some parallels to the Beetlejuice. And I know Beetlejuice yeah. had a line by Kenner. And I think they had a very similar style to these haunted humans. Yep. Yeah. Um, you could almost blend them in. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very similar principles. I, I love some of the names of these. Yep. You've got Terror Trash, <laughs> Granny Gross. Yep. Uh, Tombstone Tackle. Tombstone Tackle, who's like a big quarterback, quarterback type thing. Yep. Which that, that reminds me of Beetlejuice because they had the quarter, they had yeah. the plane crash yep. where all the rugby or the gridiron players died, and they all looked a bit like Tombstone Tackle. <laughs> the one that is actually bringing back some sort of deep seated memory is this: is a postie, and his name is Mail Fraud, yeah. which I think is amazing because <laughs> he's a fraud. He's is not it? really a human. That's right. Yeah. And then it, it looks like basically his the torso seems to lift up, so the head drops in, and then his pockets have eyes or something. Yeah, the, the, like the, the, the chest pockets yeah. on his shirt flip down. To become eyes and where his waist would be is just this big Mouth. set of teeth yeah. and you're like oh my god that's terrifying <laughs> <laughs> yep. that's where all those lost parcels have gone mail fraud <laughs> yep exactly terror trash yep I think he sort of turns into a bug or something when the yeah the... it's a it's a garbage collector Gar- yep. guy and he's just yeah it turns into like an insectoid head and wings come out the side the other one that's jumping out to me just looking at this is the Looks like a, a a Volkswagen, the Highway Hunter. Yeah, that vehicle? was at that was at our Adelaide Megatoy swap meet. Really? And I, I'm regretting not buying it because it was a, a boxed one for oh, seventy dollars. Wow! But it's really cool. It's yeah. like a praying mantis in a yellow Volkswagen. Yeah, yeah. It looks like Bumblebee yeah. crossed with a uh, crossed with an insect almost. Yeah, it's very cool. Um, and the maybe way- it'll be at next year's. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, um, wave. Monster Wave had six figures. This is the wave I picked up at Megatoy Swap Meet from that same vendor. 
and you had the the monsters, Quasimodo or the Hunchback of Notre Dame. You had Wolfman, Dracula, the Mummy, Zombie, and Frankenstein. And some of these are just etched in my mind. Like the designs are mm. very cartoony, very fun takes on classic Universal monsters. Um, that Frankenstein, that big green monster, and again, sort of the features of the scaring, raw mouth opens and uh, hands they, go up. Yeah, yeah. they just uh, beautifully sculpted, uh, very nice. And I'm going to shout out to the final one. We, if, you know, we loved the fright features. Well, they had to do it again, didn't they? With a line called Super Fright Features. Of course. And it was almost, you know, taking it to that next level. <laughs> and I remember seeing um, our friend Tristan at one of the trade days and he had the Winston Zedmore version of this. Mm. And somehow the way it works is basically the, the head disappears into the chest, mm. but it's really like a second massive head in the chest that <laughs> opens up and it just looks so ridiculous. He's got this massive screaming face that's gone into his body <laughs> um, and it's just so wacky but so cartoony at the same time. Yeah. I just love them. Well, we're talking we're talking 90s by the time you're talking that. that I think we are. Too. We're getting so, into that. Which is yep. the, the king of wacky toys when you talk 90s. Like, yeah. it was all over the place. All right, let's get into the animation now. And, well, it's become a staple for Toy Power Podcast when we're doing retrospectives. It's karaoke time. Ghostbusters! When there's something strange in a neighborhood. Hello, oh, it's a phone ring. Who are you gonna call? Ghostbusters! <laughs> there's something weird and it don't look good. Ow! Oh, who are you gonna call? Ghostbusters! <laughs> <laughs> I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Oh, those ghosts are actually scary. Look at them. Yeah. <laughs> Frank's just laughing at my face. <laughs> oh, they crossed the streams. Bad movie. Loving the footage. Wait for it. A little bulb. Real there it Ghostbusters. Is. There it is. That's the real. <laughs> it is beautiful. It is some beautiful animation. Really, it's, yeah. it's, it's very nice. And if you do want a rundown of the animation, check out James Etock's Serial Geek publication. I don't know if you can still get your hands on it, but he does some great analysis in his magazine Serial Geek on the animation. Is that the, is that so. the same track that was used in the movie, or is it a, is it like a a cover? I guess is what I'm asking. Because uh, Ray Parker Jr. did the original. Yeah, well, I feel like I for that, I, I just the voice to me sounds like he's just trying to be really sexy in, yeah. in this rent. Maybe I'm not remembering the original song correctly, but it just sounds like, oh, yeah, like he's just really... It's definitely <laughs> a different, like it's a different, if it's the same voice, it's definitely a different cut. Yes, yeah, yeah, like yeah it's, different it's, musical yeah, to it. But, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, interesting. All right, so we talked about <laughs> filmation. Have it would have been the target audience for that kind of take on... <laughs> what? What, Se- what? Ex- extra sexy. Yeah, you <laughs> sexy. Have that would have been the target audience, would you? <laughs> well, I didn't, I'm not saying that's what they were going for. No, that's no, That's kind no, of no, how no, it came no. off, though. Yeah. Okay, so we did, think not. <laughs> we did say that the reel was added to the title after dispute with Filmation. And this cartoon, again, I, I, you probably can't do any animation in the uh, 80s or 90s without having Frank Welker involved. Oh, what did he do in this one? Um, who did he do? I... Voice, I don't know Was who he played. Yeah. yeah, 
He might have been Slimer. We also had Alan Oppenheimer. Alan Skeletor, oh, Skeletor Oppenheimer, yeah, yeah, yeah. as I've uh, called him here. Um, but this is the bit, like, so, okay, so I was doing the research for this, right? Mm. And I had a look down the, the voice cast for the four Ghostbusters. And, and I, I think I typed up something along the lines of, well, as you would expect, none of the actors are going to reprise their roles. Sure. Okay, so, like, you're not going to have Bill Murray, you know, getting Dan paid, yeah. you know, $200 to voice you know, his character <laughs> on animation, right? So I, I wrote the line in, in my notes... And clearly, none of the actors came back to reprise their role. Why would they? Yeah, exactly. Except for Ernie Hudson, who tried to reprise his role, but failed in the audition process. Not once, but twice. <laughs> what? So, so Are you serious? This is, this is a true story, right? So Ernie Hudson, who played Winston Zedmore in the actual film, yeah. wanted to act voice act yeah. his character of Winston Zedmore in the cartoon. <laughs> so he auditioned for the role and didn't get it. Sorry, you just no. you just know what we're looking for. You know what? You, you're just not you're just not doing Winston as no, we do it like the guy in the film does. <laughs> like <laughs> so they cast Arsenio Hall for for the, the first few seasons. Yep, he held that role, and then he exited the show because other opportunities came his way, and and um, once again we're in this this situation where Ernie Hudson thinks maybe I'm I'm a chance. I'm a shoe this time. By, my role. So now he went back a second time. He went back. He, he, <laughs> and he's knocked back again. This time they, they cast Buster Jones in the role of, of Winston Zedmore. <laughs> in what world oh. can you not audition for the character you've made famous and get the role? <laughs> the good news is he did, he did get to reprise the role in Ghostbusters Well, too. thank God. Well, yeah, I mean, somebody the poor guy would have been, uh, you know... Yeah, the, yeah, oh, it just would have been right. would have been devastating. Do you, reckon, do you reckon they like see each other at like award shows and stuff? And they're like Winston, Winston. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Winston. No, he's Winston. I'm the real Winston. I'm the real, <laughs> the real, <laughs> the real, <laughs> the real <laughs> Winston <laughs> show. But, but, <laughs> but I don't believe that Buster Jones is still with us. So, yeah. but yeah, him and Arsenio may. Yeah. But yeah, look, it is it is pretty sad, and and I say that with all due respect to Arsenio Hall and and Buster Jones who are. I think are absolute talents in their own right. <laughs> but yeah, it is pretty sad when you can't get the character that you helped. I don't think Bill Murray would have had the same problem, let's put it that way. No, I don't think, <laughs> if don't it, think if, any of them yeah, would Yeah, exactly. Well, I was listening to Day's Video Graveyard and they did an episode on Ghostbusters 2. Yep. And yeah, it, was the, it was the classic scene where they basically animate the Statue of Liberty at the end. <laughs> yeah. And he was going on, because they're basically meant to be up, you know, they're at the top of the Statue of Liberty as she's walking along. And and he's saying, you know, all of them are doing a really great job of seeing, because I think it's that your love is lifting me higher. Yep, that's you know, It makes it go. And he's like, you know, and then you look at Ernie Hudson and it's like he's locked eyes with someone and he's singing directly to them. Problem is they're like, you know, 20 Miles stories up. high. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sing into the mic. Sing it, yeah. Um. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, uh, I don't know. what. Do you guys have any recollections of the cartoon series? Yes. Yeah? Yeah, I used it, to watch it. It is, funnily enough, there are some episodes that are pretty dark. Yeah. Um, pretty scary, mm. I guess. And you saw it like in the intro. You're watching the intro as we did the song. There's some pretty creepy looking monsters. You know, it's not, I don't know how, I mean, it's, it's aimed at kids, right? But where was the line? And, and then I guess they had to pair it back and try and make it. Like we said, Janine got, got sort of desensitized yeah, yeah, a little bit and pulled, and, back, a and bit, pulled yeah. back a little bit. And I think some of the storytelling as well. 
I think every so many years, cartoons sort of raised the bar. I mean, in the 1970s, you had that very Hanna-Barbera, very child and family friendly, very focused. Then, you know, Filmation's He-Man was the first to start talking about death, something that no cartoon ever did, but they did. Then then you had Transformers come and wrap that up, and then you had, you know, obviously Batman the Animated Series, but in yeah. between that, you had the real Ghostbusters, and each time someone sort of tried to, to push the envelope that little bit further, uh, I find sometimes the really good example is Super Friends. You can see the pre-Filmation He-Man Super Friends, which is very kid-friendly, very G-rated, very, you know, um, we don't talk about death. And then you can see after Filmation's He-Man, suddenly, you know, they've got permission to speak about Bruce Wayne's, you know, Batman's origin, you know, and they can talk about Crime Alley and what what happened there and all that sort of stuff. Mm. So you can sort of see that the envelope keeps getting pushed. But I do remember some of those real Ghostbusters episodes being quite dark and and that. But I also remember enjoying that. I think I was was Mm. ready for that. Yep. Yeah, as we said, the some of the designs changed, but we did have some consistency with the movies. Walter Peck, famously uh, of the yeah. Environmental Protection Agency. This man has no... Yep. <laughs> it's true. Is that true? It is true, Your Honour. This man has no penis. Um, uh, yeah, so he, he comes back into it. There's some slight redesigns, and obviously the big one being that Slimer is reimagined, I guess, as a good guy. Yeah, he's like their little he's com- like comedic relief. Yeah, yep. yeah. Pretty he's, much, he's, which makes sense, doesn't yeah. it, for the time. Of, of all the, the ghost designs, and even if you think back to the movie, he's probably the most kid-friendly yeah. design of all of them. So. Yep, exactly. Yeah, look, I don't remember the actual show. Of course, everybody remembers the, the movie and those uh, and the theme song to the point where um, at work we have... Uh, Basically, this excess supply of chocolate that we had to get rid of. I work at a school, for those who, who don't know, and we we're like, well, we can't just give it away. Like, what are we going to do with this? And my boss came up with the idea. He said, look, we're a school. We've got to teach the girls something. So let's come up with these A4 sheets with, say, eight different pictures on them. And they're, they're stuff from our childhood. And if they can name, you know, four out of the eight then they get a chocolate. And so we ended up doing uh, one for well, that had featured cartoons from our era. So there's He-Man, Transformers, uh, Thundercats, and a bunch of other stuff. And the, the movie one has Ghostbusters on there. Ghostbusters, uh, The Goonies, Land Before Time, Back to the Future. And nine times out of ten, the first one the girls would get was Ghostbusters. Okay. To the point where we had to scrub it off the list because yep, it was becoming too easy. Too easy. So it just shows that even, you know, decades after the, the film and that had been it around. It still has a legacy. Yeah, they, they knew it straight away. Yep. Um, For those who are wondering which school Frank works at, it's the um, Professor Charles Xavier's <laughs> school of gifted young I can neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> Frank's a mutant. Um, season three, there were some character redesigns and Ray, who I guess is based on Dan Aykroyd, mm. was given a... a Bit of a diet. He was slimmed down for season three. Oh, okay. So, and Slimer was given a tail instead of the formerly round buttocks that he sported. The movie, if you do go back and check out his buttocks in the movie, it is the round version. You're getting the round you know, that, buttocks. That's, that's why you revisit that movie, isn't <laughs> exactly. it? Exactly. Pretty, pretty much. Bit of, pretty much for that. To make sure. <laughs> bit of green of... butt. Oh. <laughs> nice. Ahead of tonight's recording, he wanted to make sure he was factually. <laughs> frame accurate. by frame. Yep. Just check that. <laughs> and then as we can confirm, it's the round one. Um, and Janine, she, as we said, she got a bit of a makeover as well. Um, 
And then I think fourth season, it was it became Slimer and the Ghostbusters or something like yes. that. Is oh, that really? right? What was it called? Um, but basically, they made him. They centered it around him. Oh. So he became the main, almost the main uh, character. Did he talk? I don't ever call him talking. Yeah. He just sort of made, you know, grunting noises and, you know, Definitely he's in always the movie. eating and stuff. Yeah, yeah in the I'm movie, trying to think in the cartoon I, if he I did can't speak. picture him talking. He was, he was the, yeah, the, the Jar Jar, Orko, whatever, sort of like that sort of comic yeah, yeah. relief character as I saw it. I don't recall him speaking though. No. Well, the intro, I mean, the intro shows basically, I think one of the Ghostbusters, they get the call and they all have yeah. to you know, go down the fire pole and into the car. And one of them leaves a sandwich on the table and Slimer, you know, comes up and eats yep. it. So it's a very much uh, that sort of... Yeah, yeah. It doesn't need to be done yeah. with dialogue. Yeah. All right. Now, what is it? Mimicry is the best form of flattery? Yep. It, Ghostbusters did get some bootlegs. And by one company that sort of sits on the borderline for doing their own product and maybe trying to rip off other big properties, and that is Sungold. Ah. Sungold did a line, and I love this. It's called The Spook Chasers. <laughs> Um, of course you had four it was, it's weird because you've got this cartoon that's loosely based on the likenesses from the movie and now you've got a bootleg that's based on toys that are based on the loose likenesses and, and it just goes to meanwhile, another level meanwhile fit, poor filmations there throwing their hands in the air going what do we have to do here yeah, like- exactly um, it's funny to look at and that they are I mean they're bootlegs really yeah. they are they're, they're pretty pretty bad was it three black guys and one white guy it was yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> and I think they all had the same body sculpt except for Ray Stans was a bit, bit more <laughs> had a bit more around the belly um, and I think there are you know, some other ones where basically they did the, the monsters we talked about Frankenstein and Dracula got yep. bootlegged there was um, this one was interesting. I didn't see any pictures on this. I don't know, Frank, if you if you could find them now. Mm-hmm. But apparently, um, there was a real Ghostbusters meets mask hybrid bootleg line in Mexico. Whoa! So and the toy molds were the mask toy molds were reused to make real Ghostbusters toys. So that's kind of crazy. Like because mask is a two inch toy line. Yeah, yeah. With not a lot of detail. So to think those would have been used to make. Ghostbusters toys is quite interesting. I'm thinking of someone like Matt Tracker came in almost like the overalls. Yeah. So I don't know, but just just weird. And <laughs> I've just done a quick Google, and one of the first pictures that come up, not even close, but it's uh, Iron Man armor, but done in a Ghostbusters style, and it's you know the Mark XX whatever uh, Ghostbuster armor. Who you're going to call? Oh, <laughs> With just the the, the red and uh, gold face. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, going beyond Kenner, what happened to Ghostbusters after this line died? And there's, it's, it's quite a fascinating history and one that I've been... There's a real journey. There is a real journey. It's one that I've kind of been involved in in my collecting habits as an adult because I always had a, a big love for Ghostbusters and, and I loved the toys. Didn't have heaps of them, had, had a handful. Oh, I have a few of these um, too. But, so let's start with the first thing I remember... And I've done this all from memory, so you know, Darren, Mr. Wikipedia, can correct me if I get something wrong. But <laughs> but Necker was the first one to get a Ghostbusters line out, minus the Ghostbusters. What? So we they they pretty much now I believe if my memory serves me correctly. So this is Necker doing a, right. Is it? Well, okay. So I'll, I'll go <laughs> and I'll talk, and then Darren can correct me. But I believe it was to do with the likenesses, and I think Bill Murray was the hardest one to get. Yeah. So he was just not sort of playing ball with giving out his likeness, you know, as Bill Murray can tend to be a little bit prickly when it comes to doing things by the book. 
Um, so you did get things like uh, the the Terror Dogs. Um, I got the the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man this time a lot bigger. Um, not as toy accurate because he had the angry face as opposed to the more comical happy mm. face. They did a Slimer figure. They did. Uh, did they do some props like sort of life size? They did like eventually. The floor trap uh, stuff. Yeah, they. Was that um, I don't know if it was Necker, but Mattel did some props. Uh, yeah, so Mattel, Mattel did, a, did it on the Maddie Collector. Yeah, on the Maddie Collector. Um, and I think they also did uh, Sigourney Weaver's character um, as basically the possessed kind of Gozer, um, yep. the Destroyer as well, with the bubbles or whatever it is on her and the and the um, Grace Jones style haircut. Um, <laughs> but but they never got to the Ghostbusters in that line, as I understand it. They were always on the agenda, I believe, but never quite happened while the license was going. I think Trent may have forgotten, unless he's coming back to it. Uh, before that line, there was the Extreme Ghostbusters. Yeah, no, I did remember that, but um, yeah, there was, because that, that was another television series, wasn't it? They went down That's the direction exactly of the Extreme right. Ghostbusters, and there it's was a line. It's basically Egon and a new generation of Ghostbusters yep. that team up like you know teenagers, and it's almost got a bit of a Batman Beyond sort of vibe to it, in that you know, there's the old school mentoring the new, and you know, I've got some of that action figure line myself, yep. as mm. well as you know a ton of the Ken and real Ghostbusters stuff. And yeah, I think that's a really cool line. And it, like so many other things, new adventures of He-Man, uh, Ninja Turtles, the next mutation. It is a line that really sadly didn't take off, but I do remember seeing it in retail at the time, and, and do remember thinking it had potential. I just. Yeah, I guess I was focused on other things at the time. It was, you know, at a time when I reckon I was buying a lot of Batman stuff and a lot of vintage stuff. I was still rounding out vintage Master of the Universe. So I wasn't really in the market for a, for a line back then. But even in that era, I could see that they were. It was cool. They were continuing, continuing Ghostbusters in a sequel series to the real Ghostbusters. Yeah. Egon's still blonde. You know, it really is that sort of. It does really feel it's set in that incarnation Same of the universe, Ghostbusters yeah. universe. Yeah, so after Necker, so yeah, that's good good pickup and thanks for um, mentioning that one, Darren. After Necker, then Mattel picked up the license and they did a lot of stuff under the Maddie Collector, adult collectible, mm. online sort of store presence and really with a focus on both Ghostbusters 1 and 2, the mm. movies, but also there was a video game that was done that was put out, which is... You know, written by a lot of the original cast. I think um, it was before Harold Ramis passed away. Right. So you actually had Harold Ramis, Ernie Hudson, actually got to voice his own himself this time. Dan Aykroyd, Bill Murray, they were all back. I was so surprised yeah, to see right. Bill Murray actually yep. get involved. So was I. And basically, you play the new recruit that comes on board. This is like a first person shooter game. Yeah, with yes, pretty I much. Remember the yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's pretty good. I got it out the other day to play it with Callum because he. You know, got a Ghostbusters sort of thing going on in Phase, his brain that yeah. Yeah, he just wants to sort of explore. It's pretty clunky, but I remember mm. playing it through at the time and it being really solid. Mm. And a lot of people consider that, you know, Ghostbusters 3, I guess. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's that authentic. It's had its own narrative and yeah. stuff following on from exactly. the Exactly. Yep. yep, yep, that's right. So, and I think from memory, Maddie Collector did either get to production or put prototype picks out for the, the recruit character. Mm. Um, so they even touched on, I guess, the, the third sort of game. Yep. Um, but the line, and Darren might mention it because I know we've had this conversation a lot about probably why it suffered. Very movie accurate. 
um, obviously they're using a lot of the you know reusing sculpts um, for the, the different Ghostbuster torsos and, and bodies. Originally, my understanding is like each Ghostbuster was meant to come with a ghost. So yeah. some of them did, you know, one came with Slimer and or they came with accessories. Um, Walter Peck came with the containment unit, which was like <laughs> a really nice big piece. It was yeah, like a diorama yeah. piece. But in the end, and you know, we got a few pack-ins. Um, I got, I think we got the Scaleri brothers from Ghostbusters Two yeah, in the courtroom nice. scene. A few things like that. The taxi driver. Um, but there probably weren't the quantity of ghosts we would have wanted from a line that was trying to mirror something like Kenner or trying to pay homage to Kenner. It was definitely more trying to maybe be a bit more film accurate, wasn't Mm. it? It was definitely trying to be a bit more film accurate. And I think that was another thing that that held the line back. There was a... Because this was running parallel to Master Universe Classics on Matty Cloak at the time. There was a sense among people that were buying the Ghostbusters line, why can't you be like the Master Universe Classics why can't it be like the Muscle Universe Classics line where it draws from the entire Ghostbusters universe? We'd like to see real Ghostbusters uh, designs in this line as well, just like Muscle Universe Classics draws from the entire history of Master of the Universe. We want that for Ghostbusters. So that that was a big thing, but I, I think the, the overwhelming final thing that was always going to catch up with the line, I remember talking to Trent about this when the line was still happening and we were both happily buying it, was they need to get some to some ghosts soon. A big part of this brand's appeal in toy form is the diversity. You know, the history of Canon with the real Ghostbusters, all that sort of stuff. You know, if there's nothing for them to bust, the, <laughs> the concept of the franchise collapses mm. very quickly. Yeah. And, you know, in a line full of mainly humans. Mm-hmm. And, and I think ultimately that caught up with them because the ghosts were not reusable sculpts and were never going to be. No, it's always a big problem for a line like that that doesn't have the budget. Um, interestingly, I think there was like a Mego retrospective style of there line was, that was done was in real about. Ghostbusters animation. And they were, yeah, they were the real Ghostbusters style that came out in from memory around 2010, 2011. I remember being in New York Times Square, Toys R Us at the time, and seeing some of those on the pegs. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then that kind of petered out, and basically Ghostbusters ended up with Diamond, Diamond Select, mm, yep. where it is today. And, and they've done some beautiful that, stuff. They have, yeah. So they've they've really, in a way, kind of gone back and given the, the Diamond Select treatment to what Maddie Collector was doing, gone back and done Ghostbusters movie figures. You can get you can get Louis Tully, you can get Janine, you know, Goza, yep. all that sort of stuff as well. But what they've done recently and some of the waves that they're putting out at the moment are the real Ghostbusters versions of these figures. <laughs> now, unfortunately, they're not true cartoon accurate 100% re-sculpts. They are using some of the sculpts. Like yeah. So Slimer is the old Slimer body, not that he has much of a body, with the new head. And it's that dichotomy of a very smooth animated style head on top of a very lumpy and super yeah, detailed body, which yep. just didn't quite do yeah. it for me. I and can it was... sort of understand why they've gone down that path, though, yeah. that the market just may not be big enough yeah. to do completely brand new sculpts and it's a compromise you make. I sort of hear what you're saying. And when you're talking about you know, budgeting money and and floor space in your collection, you got to make a call yep. on what you're going to get and what you're not going to get. So I totally call? get that. <laughs> exactly. Nicely done. I see what you did there. <laughs> but um, for me, you know, it's still cool to sort of see a line, even though I haven't delved into it, to see a line that brings it all together yep. under one under one line. You yeah, know, and that's what we'd hoped for from yeah, Maddie, yeah. wasn't it, it's really? It's exactly what yeah. we hoped for. And, and I think in... Beyond what I hoped for, what I initially thought we were getting. Yeah. 
the cool because Masters has set the it had the, it has set yeah. a very high standard and it's a, oh look it's a different size property so you can understand that but different size property and also Masters lends itself to retooling in a way that that perhaps Ghostbusters didn't mm, exactly one of the cool things that Diamond Select did give us were the collect and connect diorama pieces and this. Uh, real real Ghostbusters line. I know you had to get some of the other movie figures as well, but basically the Collect and Connect was a full firehouse facade. Wow. Um, and it is it is huge mm. when you put it together. Because they're like six-inch six scaled figures, yeah. so the yeah. diorama has to fit that. Exactly. Yeah. And <laughs> the bit I never really understood was why the Ghostbusters logo changed to a Ghostbuster... With the a, two? The ghost with the two. <laughs> like, that, that's pretty meta, isn't it? But... Um, <laughs> There's a reason you you can you can swap out the one symbol on oh, the diorama for the, for the two, oh, so it's got that cool. it's got the, the cool. two different logos, which is really cool. So Diamond did do some very very cool things. The final shout out I did want to talk about when we talk about future of Ghostbusters was the point around yes, Mattel did a adult collector line for Maddie Collector, but when the I think it's the 2016 Ghostbusters, the female Ghostbusters yes. film was released. They got, obviously, a wave of Maddie Collector-styled female Ghostbusters, new sculpts, but then they also put out mm. those Maddie Collector those 2008 ones, yeah. versions. In retail stores. In store. retail yeah. stores. So you yeah. could go into Maya here and Meyer, pick them up. Big yeah, W, Big w. And a range of places. Which is really cool. It was always my view of what Mattel were trying to do with Maddie Collector was to say, well, if we don't make any money on this, that's fine because now we've got the molds and the tooling yep. to go straight in Ship and on a movie again. year, bang, yep. we'll roll it out and that's where we'll make our money. I suspect the same thing will happen in a couple of years yep. when the the other go- the new Ghostbusters film comes out. That's exactly. very true. And that's the long-term thinking, I think, wasn't present in some of the decisions they made in closing Maddie down mm. that they didn't necessarily think through the long-term, you know, let's fund some of this tooling now and then let's yeah. make the cream... Yeah, later on, later on yeah. um, I think it's different management and obviously when they lost Scott Knightleck who was who was obviously driving Maddie for a long time they were pretty rudderless after that they they really he, he had the passion and the drive for all those lines all those properties and, and wanted to engage with the, the, the adult fan the adult collector in a way that, that perhaps Mattel weren't weren't positioned to after he left. I mean, he used to engage on forums at home, you know, in his private time. Oh, I think he, you know, he's he credited. Above and beyond. He's credited at basically running that program yeah. in his spare time because Absolutely. he was working on his day jobs as well. Yeah. So, no, it is, I mean, when you actually He went above down, and beyond he, oh, what no he's been paid to do to, no to keep these things going. And, yeah. and when he left, no one else had, had, well, I won't say no one else. There were other people there, I think, that had passion for it. But maybe not the level of of commitment or time. Or... Well, you can't. You almost can't expect your staff to you... run something like that in their spare time. You can't. You got to pay. You got to pay them to do Absolutely. the work. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah, look, you know that that was the problem. It was always, as he said, a blip on on the radar for Mattel, and you know a bit of a love letter to the fans. And and when he left, yeah, there was, there was just nowhere left to take it. Very good. All right, that wraps our vintage toyline retrospective on the real Ghostbusters. Have your say. Shout out. What are you? What were your thoughts on the line? 
What do you think about poor old Ernie Hudson not getting to voice his own character in the cartoon series? Absolutely tragic. We will jump into a later segment, which is going to be show and tell. And the whole idea of this is to try and bring in something and tell a bit of a story about the toy and what it means to us. So we might start with Frank. He's got a very nice-looking Marvel Legends figure here in front of us. Yes, I have picked the uh, recent, uh, I think, 2017 uh, version of Apocalypse. This is a uh, builder figure looking straight out the comics. Uh, this is not to be confused with that terrible, terrible movie. Um, this is uh, the reason I picked this one, apart from being a very nice uh, rendition of of him, is it's actually, I'm pretty sure, the first builder figure I completed. And it was done so because I actually bought this guy overseas. My wife. Uh, did some work overseas for about three months in Manila. And so obviously three months is a long time. So I went over there to visit her. And as part of it, we said, all right, let's go walking through these uh, basically markets. They shut down streets for large part of the day. And sure enough, there was a lot of stores stocking Marvel Legends. And, and the prices were, were pretty pretty comparable and competitive. And and my wife had said, look, we're going to permission to spend, basically. So, And I, I was umming and ahhing between this particular wave, which has a lot of sort of X-Men figures. There's a really nice Wolverine and some others in this wave. The other one that I was sort of debating about was gives you the Man-Thing builder figure. Uh, that has a lot of your Netflix characters mm. and yep. Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Jessica and, Jones yep. and all that sort of stuff. Uh, this is what I landed on. And basically, in order to get back home, I, I really went, went to Manila for about three days. So I just went with a backpack. And now all of a sudden, I've got eight Marvel Legends figures in the box still. But I was like, how do I do this? So we were literally at the airport. Pretty good nice and, to have that. Yeah, right? <laughs> so we were at the airport nice and early with this big bag. I was like, the only way this is going on is if I unbox them here and now, take them all out. So we're sitting in the airport and I'm just unboxing Marvel Legends, nice. putting the packaging to one side, completed the builder figure uh, and then sort of, you know, wrapped them all up in clothing so they could actually, you know, uh, make it onto my, my baggage on, on the plane. So Probably not the usual substance they used to see people <laughs> smuggle on the planes. Can you explain this, sir? It did, give, an, it did give enough in its own right. <laughs> Classic. So, yeah, so he's very nice. He's got sort of a, a weird, oh, no, not weird, but a, a bit of a gloss uh, finish to him compared to the original Toy Biz one, which is very much a flat blue. And he's got the big A on his uh, belt and he's got, of course, the famous sort of uh, tendrils or cords that go from his arms in, into his back there. So he's got, he's got a very villainous scowl on him. He does scale fairly well in that he's probably, you know, like a head, a head taller than your average Marvel legend. Certainly not in some of the, the bigger scale ones, particularly when you think of the Toy Biz era. But uh, excluding that Toy Biz one, this is the, the first time Apocalypse has shown up in a long time. So fans are pretty excited. And yeah, whenever I, I look at that figure, I, I just go, oh, that's right. That crazy time we went to Manila and it was, you know, still 35 degrees at, at nine o'clock at night in these, these markets over there. So yeah, there's one of uh, one of my favorites. Ali often comes in the toy room and just goes, oh, that's right. I got you that one. I was like, well... Shared money. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's a very cool figure, and I love the story. It's uh, tremendous when you're unboxing figures at the airport and bringing them <laughs> home in your boogie board yeah. bag. <laughs> yep. Exactly right. All right, I have brought in a a figure that I did pick up as a kid with my own pocket money. This Ooh. is the 
the era. It's early 90s. It's an Inspector Gadget in the grey trench coat made by Tiger Toys. If my memory serves me correctly, it's about circa 1992. Uh, you know, for my view, I talked in a previous episode about the stuff that 5 Pro Studios are doing with their Inspector Gadget. But for the time, we're talking, you know, 30 years prior, the likeness on this pretty spot on pretty good right no neck articulation and the reason for that is he's got a little lever here on the back a little red lever that mine is broken but when you push that down the top of the hat pops up and a little red arm extends out oh, that nice. you can connect a little mallet to and oh, magnifying right. All glass the different accessories yeah. yeah cool um the thing i also really like about this is you can see the lower torso piece inspector gadget does wear a gray trench coat mm. And here it's made out of a really nice soft rubber, but oh. this is, you know, we're talking, what, 30 years old? Yeah. Or close to. It still looks And it's still good. good. It's got a little tiny tear there, which it, which it sort of got, but still looks good, and it gives you that flexibility to um, move the legs, around the yeah. legs there. So I, I love this figure. I still remember, I got it in Victor Harbour. So Victor Harbour, for, for those of you outside of South Australia, is a little coastal beachside town about an hour and a half away from Adelaide, the, the main city here in South Australia. And we used to go out there and holiday a fair bit. Uh, just around the corner from, from where we would stay was a little toy store that was actually owned by the uncle of my next-door neighbor. <laughs> and so I'd, I'd go down there with my pocket money. That's where I got my Batman from Batman the Animated Series combat belt Batman. <laughs> and I got this figure from there as well. I think he was on sale. He cost me around $10 Australian. Um, I remember seeing Dr. Claw on the pegs and trying to peek in at what yeah, he looked like the under hidden the, face, the yep. hidden face under there. And I remember this is the era I would have been around 10 years of age. My brother really got into me for buying a toy. You know, he's like, what are you still <laughs> buying toys for? You know, you should, should have grown up and, and you know, well, we, I haven't. So, um, love I was going to say, and yeah. here we are. 30 years later and you're on a toy podcast week after week. Yep, exactly right. So, no, huge fan of this uh, this line and I just I just love that. In fact, just a quick memory that's just sprung to mind is my uncle and aunt got me my very first Inspector Gadget toy, was which was this random, almost like a square Inspector Gadget and it was a pullback vehicle uh-huh. but it was him as a you know inspector gadget and his arms would go up very blocky like oh a, okay because um, didn't he do like the roller skate rocket roller yeah, skate type thing he did yeah. yep yep um but you'd pull this thing back and he'd drive off so i don't know if that sort of got me going on my inspector gadget <laughs> phase but yeah very very nice very cool darren what have you got for us so today i'm going to talk about the super seven vintage um collection masters of the universe shira figure from wave one of of that line that that super seven put out just uh, arrived earlier this year on the single card it was also available with the two-pack before deck so i'm going to talk about this for a number of reasons ever since childhood i had wanted a shira in the style of the vintage master universe line not to take away from the vintage princess power line but to me Something that sort of made them cohesive in in a way that perhaps those two lines weren't was, was something that I, I'd been looking for for you know for a long time for for more than thirty years and you know we we got it this year and, and I'm really happy with it overall how how it turned out that there are some issues with how she stands but generally speaking I'm I'm really happy with it and the weapons look very Master of the Universe 
in their vintage master universe in their style as well. So I think these blend in really well. And to me, that's that was what the spirit of the filmation cartoons were always about, that these two universes were really one. And and the Twin Lines never quite sold that, I don't think anyway. Um, just just my two cents worth. Not that there was anything wrong with either, either line, but to get a Shira that is in that Masters Universe style that blends in, that looks like she could take on not only Hordak and the Horde, but you could put her against Skeletor or King Hiss or, or you know, anyone in that line or display her with, with the vintage He-Man or with her ancestor hero now that Super 7 have put him and Eldor out. Yeah, I think it's just terrific that, that Super 7 have gone and filled that gap and hopefully they will get to an Adora in that vintage collection style. Mm. It's actually got, uh, I didn't realise until just holding it in my hands, it's actually got waist articulation, which oh, is cool. most of the female figures, certainly from the old stuff in this, yeah. I don't believe would have. Teela and Evil Lynn certainly didn't, and Sorceress mm. didn't. Yeah. No, that's yeah, correct. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. very cool. No, very happy to have her in that style. Um, I think a lot of people were. I know Sean Fuster was chasing her and did eventually get one to mm. basically put into his collection. So, yeah, I think that, that move made a lot of people very happy. And with Shadow Weaver coming up, we're going to just get another one kind of... We are. Well, I mean, one that was never done because she probably didn't really fit in with the uncombable horror hair that she would have had underneath her... Uh... <laughs> That's right, but she'll display beautifully with the vintage horde and the fright zone and all that sort of stuff and and i love the fact that super seven are, are giving us a, a an extension of that line not just filmation style redos but characters like shira like hero and Eldor, like um shadow weaver evil seed you know a bunch of things that that will expand mm. our our vintage lineup quite yeah. nicely I'm, I'm, I couldn't be happy with that. And if we could get things like Adora, Queen Malena, oh, yeah. maybe Scorpio cool. and, you know, um, Octavia, a few, a few of those things, I would be a pretty happy guy. Yeah, no, exactly right on that beautiful retro card. Wouldn't Absolutely. That be, yeah, that, that be... you got to love that retro Masters yeah. Universe vintage card. Sensational. All right. On that note, we'll wrap this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Big shout out to all our patrons. Thank you so much for your support. And we will see you around the toy aisles. And until next time, good journey. You can find the Toy Power team at all the usual online places. Facebook.com slash Toy Power Podcast. At Toy Power Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Or have your say and email us. Podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to the show on both iTunes and Stitcher. And please leave us a review. Otherwise, we just assume we're awesome. We are a proud member of the Giant Size Team Up Network. Check out all the awesome shows on this awesome network full of okay people. Want to learn more? Go to GiantSizeTeamUp.com where you can find us and a whole lot more awesome shows. Well, they're not more awesome than us, but they're... Yeah.